0: Good morning, Kansas City. This is the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810, WHB. Steven St. John and Nate Bucati. And the Drake Jason Justice filling in for Jake Gutierrez. who'll be back on... Tuesday I think so looking forward to uh what Jake has to tell us about his uh travels out to Colorado Stan Weber will be with us in uh in about half an hour he'll be in with us to talk to football and also make that painful transition we're making from football to college basketball Uh, so Stan will be with us uh as always, uh, on Friday. Then, just after 8 o'clock, we'll have the Border Patrol Fast Break with Gabe D'Armond from PowerMizzou.com. We're going to have Missy Hydrick filling in for her husband, Jay Hydrick, to talk K-State. And then Greg Gurley uh, makes his second appearance on the Border Patrol this week. He'll talk Kansas uh, with us, Kansas basketball. Uh, And then we are going to have... uh, Tim Melia on from Sporting Kansas City uh, at 8.35, and if that's not accurate, you can blame Nate. Uh, at 9 o'clock, we'll have Tim Grunhard on the phone, who joins us from his Florida headquarters, and we'll talk some football and talk life with Tim Grunhardt and see what he has to say. So... There you go. Full show for you on this Friday, February twenty-third, twenty twenty four. And so I guess we'll kinda of jump in to college basketball because that's well, we got spring training going on, so that's good, but college basketball right now is the uh is the headliner because we're just a couple of weeks away from the Big 12 tournament here in Kansas City. And that's going to be interesting uh, for a number of reasons. Oh, by the way, my phone started working at around 11.15 yesterday when I was uh, getting my eyes checked out. I had got uh, a new uh, prescription for some new sunglasses that I'm going to wear. So I'm excited about that. Also, Dr. Grimes at Littlefield Eye Associates. Wonderful... Uh, sponsors of the Border Patrol and Sports Radio 810 WHB. So, but thanks a lot, uh, AT&T, for figuring that out by 11.15. I was not happy for the entire morning, so.
1: How many text messages showed up on your phone? None. At one time? Zero. So, Well, they just didn't even come through. I don't yet. know.
0: I, I, I got, well, let me see.
1: I figured... Once your phone started working, all of a sudden it'll be bing 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 now, bing bing. People
0: know better than it takes me during the show. Okay. If if uh, if they do, they're excommunicated. So I'm trying to see who. I feel like somebody did. I had a bunch of news updates. I get news alerts. Probably too many. I'm a kind of a news junkie. And so I had a bunch of different alerts from from the day. Uh, a bunch of emails came through. Although I was getting emails at work because of the Wi-Fi, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, I think maybe I got one from Jared Sutton because we uh, we did a uh, another episode of House of Hustle yesterday, talking college basketball because he was at the Creighton Yukon game. Ooh! And so he saw number one get upset by nineteen points, uh, and I asked him if Dan Hurley threatened to knock him out, and he said no. And so I was able to get to the bottom of that. That's good. Um, and So we talked a lot about uh, Creighton and Yukon since he was there. We talked a lot about uh, Caitlin Clark and her greatness. I'm not, I'm not going to hesitate to call her great, and neither will Jared Sutton. So we spent, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes talking about her, talking about his experience at uh, Creighton and Yukon. Talked a little bit about the plight of the Missouri Tigers and what it means for Dennis Gates to have uh, Desiree Reed Francois, the AD that hired him, moving on to Arizona, and then we chatted about the Big Twelve, uh, the Big Twelve Conference race. And so, if you want to hear any of that, it should be released. I think today uh, you can just check out. Sports Radio 810 social media platforms it's the House of Hustle uh, with uh, Jared Sutton and me brought to you by Charlie Hustle so if you don't like basketball wouldn't recommend it because that's all we talk about but Jared's one of the best to talk basketball and of course he is a uh, uh, scout for the Orleans Pelicans so he not only talks from the perspective of a former college basketball player but also a current NBA Scout and he's gonna start uh restart his weekly appearances with us next week he'll be on with us on Tuesday so we got that going for us looking forward to that are you yeah you don't act like it where are you going today you're leaving the show early a little bit yeah I'm headed to Orlando thought maybe you'd already looked for Orlando we we're worried
1: well, my son has basketball practice uh, at 6 a.m. That seems too early for a child of his age. Well, it was very difficult to get him out of bed this morning, so we were running. <laughs>
0: running. Should I not criticize that because of the coaches listening?
1: Uh, no, I think it's fine for those kids. I Is mean, it? hey, man, you know, they, they, have, they have the coaches do a great job at uh, our school, and they have four teams oh, yeah. uh, that they've got to juggle in the eighth grade because they don't cut anybody. Which I appreciate because that gives these kids an opportunity to play middle school basketball. So when you got four teams, two teams practice after school, two teams practice before school and I used to have to my freshman year of high school, we had to practice before before school, so yeah, you know, you? suck it up, you can do it. But it was it was a challenge getting them out of bed this morning. So yeah. but we, we made it barely. Oh, did you? Well, kind of. Okay.
0: Let me get a ruling on that, Drake. <laughs> I think, I think Drake's at incomplete. <laughs> so well, didn't get two feet in. Uh, maybe he did one foot know. in the door. Dude, I'm 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 out of it. Whatever, I rule yes.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah. Budgeting the uh, yeah. Try, he he asked me if he could skip practice this morning, and I I said no. I made him get up. I don't know if yeah, that's bad or...
0: I went, to the, uh, I went to the parents' meeting for uh, track and field because that's getting ready to start. Practice starts next week. And that's Julia, as, as she's repeated to me several times, this is my thing because she wants to make sure that her sister will not go out for track and field. And in the past, her sister has also not been allowed to attend her meets. Until we finally said, "Look, we're not. We're not doing this." She's, <laughs> don't look at her; she'll be in the stands. You know, uh, just deal with it. And so I think she can go to the meets now. But we went to the um, went to the meeting the other night at St. Pius, and uh, I felt I felt so emotional because there was a whole bunch of cars there. I'm like. Damn! How many people are going for track and field? This is going to be crazy. And instead, it was a whole bunch of people that were going to uh, the first round of the parochial league playoffs. And Saint Gabe's the sixth grade boys, uh, coached by my good friend, uh, Fire Chief Riley Nolan, who uh, he came out and watched Richie uh, play with Dola White on Saturday. At the landing. More than I could say for some people. That's true. That's fair. And for people that are listening, I I threw my microphone to the side and started, <laughs> Nate, <laughs> gave me the evil you're, eye. You're Mr. Dole White I can't Dolowine. get you to go. I, I, will, I can't pay you to go. I would love to go to a show. I wasn't able what to What if make I told it? you it was sponsored by MLS? Then I might make it. Right, hey, everybody, yeah. I'm here. Carve out, out time me. for that. Um, da, 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 da. With free parking. Yeah.
1: Oh, as we've already established, p- paying for parking is not an issue for me.
0: I has talked to people <laughs> about charging $68 for parking. So, I mean, you know hey,
1: what? can make some money. I said,
0: Sumo, this I don't think that's going to work out. We need to rethink that business yeah. plan. So now it's free. So. If I
1: could ride a bike to see them play, I might be more interested.
0: Well, March 9th, they're in Overland Park, and you could ride a bike, but um, something tells me you'll be in Key West or <laughs> Jamaica <laughs> or something. I don't, know. I don't know where you are. Possible. It'll be a blue top south. I'm going to try to get Gary Dieter out there. He say, he says he's going. But what he says and what he does, we'll see. Yeah. But I got a lot of over the park people out here, so a little get-together out here. Uh, but so anyway, they're playing a playoff game, and my heart just sank because, I, and this is just this is a lesson, you know, don't wish the time away. If you're coaching your kids, Man cherish those moments, and I know sometimes it, it's like, oh, we got practice again tonight, or oh, we got a game at eight a.m. on Saturday morning. Oh, whatever. Let me tell you something. I felt, I felt, I don't even know how to describe how I felt because I, I was thinking back. I mean, this is the first time that I'm not coaching in the middle, you know, in the parochial league grade school playoffs since since Phil was in third grade, fourth grade, something like that. Richie played, but I didn't, they had, they had better coach dads than me. And back then I was calling games for UMKC and I couldn't, commit to, this, to the schedule you know and that's one of the main reasons why I stopped calling games at UMKC because then Phil sort of asked you know what I'm not this is too important I want to coach I want to coach my kids and then of course coaching the girls for so long um, those that, that you don't realize how big of a part of your life it is until it's gone like Cinderella once said don't know what you got until it's gone it's not, and but I just walked in there. And I see all the parents; they their St. Gabe's sweatshirts or St. Gabe's shirts and everything else. And Father Cryler's over there, you know, giving the kids a pep talk. I'm like, oh. <sighs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I, you know, it's just like you, you think you, you think there's all these years ahead of you, and then, bam, 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 it's gone. That's why I'm trying to, trying to pump the brakes right now. With the girls in high school, because we went through. Selena played softball, and then she played basketball. Now Julia's running track, and I just I'm trying to appreciate and embrace every meeting, every you know. There, there are there like with you. There are no complaints from me about any taking a practice or driving two hours to a game or any of that because we have a little bit of a daunting schedule. You know. There's, yep. Road games at Maryville and chill a coffee and you know, <laughs> but it gives me a chance yeah. to see the state, and actually, it's been really cool. It gives me a chance to go to some smaller towns that have some really loyal sports radio eight ten listeners, and yeah. I really get a kick out of like I'm in Chilli coffee. and someone walks up to me, goes, "Hey, I know you're at your kid's game, but I appreciate the show. I like listening to you and Nate." And I'm thinking, "Damn, that's really cool." Yeah. Now, where's the concession stand? <laughs> what do you guys got here? You guys got hamburgers? Yeah, dumpy. They're over there. Thanks for coming out. Um, but, yeah, man, it was like a punch in the gut. And I wanted to go in, and, and so my and my wife was, You're going to go in and, and watch some of it? I said, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> and then too our, soon. And then our father, father, our priest, father, Krallor walked out. I go, How are we doing? He goes, We're up 15, too. I said, Okay, good. That's go. Because we're the one seat. Like, let's Yeah. Go. Take care of business. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to track and field season. So, yeah, I'm with like, you. Know what? Whatever practice it is, take them, embrace it, love it. It's all good.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, cause it's, it's just you know, then it's gone. Yeah, my thought, my my assumption is this is going to be the last year Benny plays basketball. Um, and so, yeah, you never know. You never know. Don't put any limitations know. on it. You never no. know. But I honestly, I don't know that he even. It, it, that's where his where his heart is going forward. Or anything, you know, it's you know? weird though when they get to high school. Yeah.
0: Yeah. they some things things that they want to do that I didn't think they'd want to do, and some things that they don't want to do that I was sure that they'd want to do. It's weird, man. It yeah, just, it changes.
1: That's that's great advice. I, I noticed that when we went to uh, he went to his high school orientation. You know, a couple weeks ago and. Some of the classrooms that he actually showed the most interest in really surprised me. One of them was the media room. and I, I didn't think, I mean, Benny's never shown any interest whatsoever in what we do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, his eyes lit up when he saw the studio and all these things, and he was really, he's like, I'm signing up for this classroom. Yeah, I'm not oh, pushing it. Okay. They
0: have a really cool broadcasting program at, at, at Pius, and I'm hoping, I he mean, still got involved in yeah. it, but I'm not going to push it, but I want no. them to yeah, no, I, I and that's the same thing Will with basketball. I yeah. wanted
1: I, I wanted Ben to play basketball this year because I wanted him to be involved in something. That's right. Um, but you know, it's when you get to high school, start picking what you want to do. I, I don't care. I just as long as they're doing something, you know. And uh, I just point being could be my last chance to drop him off for basketball right. practices, and and I do try it. to value every one of them that I can because it it, go, it does it goes really fast.
0: Uh, but, Drake, can I throw you a, uh, you love baseball, you love the Cardinals, and we don't, you know, we, we allow that. Can I throw you a curveball? Oh. Please do. Can you, can you push all the buttons and ring all the bells and make it possible to play something that I have DM'd you on X? I did, I slid in your DMs. I thought I did it last night, but apparently I, uh, I don't know if you do this, last night I fell asleep holding my phone. Like. Doing stuff for the show, I was in there. You know, <laughs> I was like trying to highlight different sound clips I wanted to play, and apparently I was like, oh. and apparently there were pictures taken of me holding my phone to sleep, which you know apparently was funny <laughs> to some of my kids or whatever. Yep. And so I, I, so I thought that I had sent this last last night to uh, Drake, but I did not. Uh, but I got a kick out of this. Um. Man, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, and I'll just tell you, you know, just let me know when you play it, but I'll talk about it until then. I am very happy to see how much love Steve Spagnolo is getting right now. And I'm hoping it's making people in Kansas City, not that they didn't already, but I hope it, it's, it's confirming What an important piece he is to all this. Because I do this, you do this, we all do this. We all fall into that very easy trap. It's all Mahomes. Mahomes. All they got Mahomes. 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 You know. Well, we found out in the AFC championship game against the Patriots. Found out in the Super Bowl against Tampa. You know, Mahomes can still be great, but still lose if he doesn't have enough support around him. Yep. You know, Tom Brady went a decade without winning a championship. You got to have the right pieces. And but it could be different. It can be an overwhelming offense that that that's just better than everyone else and they can make up for a mediocre defense. We found out this year it can be an elite defense that makes up for an inconsistent offense. He can play he, he could be you know different types of of, of a quarterback. And make it work like a chameleon. He can, you know, whatever the team needs him to be, based on what the strengths of the team are around him. But you know, what have we learned over these years? I mean, with any court, you got to have a good, good offensive line. Yep, doesn't have to be a, an offensive line like the Dick Vermeil Chiefs, which you know has a couple of Hall of Famers on it, and you know an All Pro and everything else would be great. But that's that's not realistic you know, considering how much money that would cost. So it would be a good, solid offensive line. Having Kelsey, of course, helps. Um, we've seen what um, Isaiah Pacheco adds to the mix. Is he a superstar? No, but he's damn good, and he's been damn good in the postseason as well. Um, and, and now we see, like, what a— what a defense means. You know what what an elite defense means. And so, to have a guy like Steve Spagnuolo, uh, what did you do? Uh, by the way, let's let's investigate this for a minute. Why wouldn't it let you sign in? Are you banned? Are you? What have you been doing on X? Let's I honestly don't this. remember
2: what my Twitter. Password is, I always just use it on my phone and, oh, really? and so trying to log in here. Normally, somebody's logged in, but nobody's logged in, so I'm trying to log myself in. So I'm going through about mm-hmm. 50 different passwords I use. How about
0: Jake's? Is Jake already signed in?
2: in he is there? not.
0: We should blow him up. Do you know your Twitter login? Yep. I oh, do you? You, in there? you want me to go in what there? What if I DM it to you and you go log in there? Now, Drake will have access to your DMs. Oh, boy. I mean, are you, are you comfortable with that? Yeah.
1: I trust Drake with my life.
0: Do you have any burner accounts we need to know I about? I don't have
1: any burner accounts, and I think that my DM uh, traffic is fairly uh, above board.
0: There's nothing going to be like criticism. SSJ sucks. <laughs> or nothing like this. No? No, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything like that. All right. Well, let's see. Let's yeah. see, right. let's see this. Is... You actually know, because i I'll be honest with you, if I get signed out, I'm screwed. I have no <laughs> idea what my password is. I mean, I think I
1: know. I... I don't remember the last time I heard Okay, this is
0: intrigue. Go ahead, get in there. Does Nate Bucati know his password to X? The password. Because I do not, and neither does Drake. This is very exciting. Drake, yes or no, do you think he knows his own password?
1: No, no no No. chance.
0: Because I wouldn't. I'd have no idea. But anyway, there's this clip that at some point I I feel like we're going to play. If indeed Nate Bucati comes through here. Uh, Peter Schrager had Steve Spagnuolo uh, on his podcast, and I would encourage you to, to watch or listen to the whole thing. And Spaggs talks about one of the biggest plays from the Super Bowl, and that was that third and four where Trent McDuffie blitzed and was able to deflect the football and force the uh, 49ers to kick a field goal instead of holding on to the ball. Till the very end, and then you know, kicking a game-winning field goal without giving the Chiefs a chance to answer. And honestly, when when, when that drive was going on, I did not feel great. I was I was mad because I thought that uh, I was afraid they were going to pick up a first down there. Let's see. What's the update here? What does Nate say? Now it's trying to get him to generate a code. Generate a code, man. You can do it. Today on the Border Patrol, three three old guys try to figure out how to sign in to X. I just I'm 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 captivated by the look on his face. He's like He's holding his phone, he's looking at the computer. Hey, let me tell you something. We know sports. Technology. Uh, yeah. We'll take a break. Back after this on WHP. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810. WHP, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We're now joining. This is staying all hells breaking loose right now on this show. So just... Bear with us, but glad you're here. We have Stan Weber in the studio. Stan, good morning. How are you?
2: I'm fine. Good morning.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. We're trying. Nate is uh, doing everything within his power to remember his password to X. See, because here's a little, little peek behind the curtain. When I see uh, different video clips on X, formerly known as Twitter, right, uh, I, will, I will send them in DMs the night before to Jake, and then Jake will be able to just take him off there and play him on play him on the air, right? And so then, last night, I apparently fell asleep, phone in hand, and I thought I had sent it to Drake, and I didn't, so I sent it to him this morning, but then someone signed Drake out of his ex-account, and he couldn't get in it. Uh, and now, Nate, after going through a gauntlet of different things, he had to tell us everything he had to do. He had to have an access code sent to your phone. Had, how, did, well, yeah, how, did so I, how did this happen? How did I you went through up?
1: a... Uh... A training with the the network execs put us through a training where they told us that all your all your social media accounts like Twitter you need to set up two way verification. That's
0: yes, right. That's right. That way nobody can so hack exactly into your right.
1: into your Twitter account and send out tweets that uh, that you know could co- get you in trouble.
0: Because Lord knows I would try.
1: Well, that, that maybe has happened in the past. Well, I don't know so, who did that. So uh, I think Aaron Schwartz maybe did that on right. me a couple times when he worked here. So um, <laughs> so anyways, so now I remembered my password. But then it says, "Okay, now you got to check your authenticator on your phone mm-hmm. to get the code." So it kept you out. That, and I couldn't. I have three different authenticators right. on my phone, right. and I couldn't remember which one was on my so it works. Twitter account. That's so but I finally you tested yeah, it. Right. Okay. I got my, so yeah, the authenticator works. I got authenticated. About and now this? I'm in.
0: <laughs> Nate versus technology. Nate wins. I mean, it was it was. Uh, I lost the first couple rounds. You still
1: won, but I stayed. I stayed on my feet.
0: So, so. perfect timing, though. So do we have this clip? Okay, so, uh, Stan, I think you'll enjoy this. This is about a minute and a half uh, from Peter Schrager from uh, NFL Network, from Good Morning Football. He had Steve Spagnuolo on his podcast, and there's a couple of different clips that, that, uh, that we could play, but I wanted to play this one because we've talked about this play, and everyone will talk about this play forever. It was when the 49ers were driving at the end of the game, and they had a third and four. If they pick up a first down, they'll have a chance to to run the clock all the way down and kick a game winning field goal, and, and without giving Mahomes a chance to answer. Uh, but on that third and floor, third and four, uh, Trent McDuffie blitzed. He was able to get his hand on the football, and it was an incompletion. And so then the 49ers had to kick. Then Mahomes had enough time, tie the game. Here is Spags talking about. That play, one of the biggest plays of the Super Bowl, one of the biggest plays of the season. What was your thought on third and four coming out of a huge stop The play beforehand? Because if they get the first down, they believe the clock, kick a field goal, game is over.
3: I think that was – did Trent make that play on Kittle on a blue play? Yeah, it was a great tackle. Um, Well, here's what happened, Pete. So if you remember on that play, um, there was about 220 or something, or 215 Mm -hmm. when they broke the huddle. So we made a call because I didn't know if he was going to let it come down to the two minute or not. And they decided to let it come down. We made a particular call, and then when it went to the two minute warning, of course, with the with the Super Bowl, with these you timeouts, have a big
1: break to discuss. Big
3: break, huge break. So that's when the wheels go like this. And so it was at that moment you look up and go, "Okay, this is really in my mind." I said to myself, is "This is real. This is a fourth down play. This is not a third and four or five. What it was. This is critical." I had a thought. I looked at my list and I said, I need to ask Nick about this. This is the trust I have in Nick Bolton. So Nick's this. on the field. Now he can't, he can't talk to me, but I'm staring right at him. I, I clicked the button and I said, Nick, what do you think about this? I, all I wanted to do was see his reaction and he just started. Yes, yes, yes. And he did the signal and it, he was like, he was all in. And so I knew, <laughs> I knew when he was all in that we should change it to that. So we changed personnel and put a, a different call in and it was a fourth down call or, or, or what we had on our fourth down list. And it was for the critical situation. And fortunately for us, you know, uh, the, our guys executed it really well. So I like hearing
0: stories like that, right. About, you know, and, and, and this is again, Nate, we talked about this where analytics fail when you're trying to, put a grade or a number on a player like Nick Bolton he doesn't always grade out well but there's nothing that that factors in the value of him being the guy with the green diet, the, the guy with the green dot the guy that Spags trusts and they call that that coach on the field right mm-hmm. there's a tremendous value to that he does things he, there's intangibles in any sport and especially in football that that Bolton brings okay. to the table and to hear that and hear how they had one play called, and boy, maybe if the 49ers would have snapped the ball before the two-minute warning, they didn't have the right play, maybe, and they get the first down, and the Chiefs lose the Super Bowl. But they let it bleed down. And I was—I remember watching the game, wondering, are they going to snap the ball? They're going to take it at the two-minute warning. Took it at to the two-minute warning. Allowed Spags to reevaluate things. He talks to Bolton. What do you think? Bolton loves it. Change personnel. The rest is history. I can listen to that stuff all day long.
2: Yeah, the behind-the-scenes is amazing, and. You have a great plate sheet. You have players who can execute many, many different things, but you only get to call one play in those situations. And that's what makes it amazing. And you hear the inside of how quickly it might have been something else. And the more and more you hear about this Super Bowl and the behind the scenes, you keep thinking from a 49ers perspective how they just were a millimeter from winning the game many times over. Just every little thing here and there – that ends up, oh, can't believe it ended up being that. And here's another example. What happens if the Chiefs wouldn't have run a fourth down defensive play and run a third down defensive play? Ball game, because they should have ran it down to the two-minute warning. That's not being stupid. That's good clock management. If they would have made the first down, the two-minute warning would have passed. The Chiefs had already used one timeout. They're going to win the game. They needed four yards to win the game right there. That, That was ball game's opportunity for the 49ers and here you think about Spags. and any time there's more time to think about things you look at the Chiefs sideline and the coaches and you go who's going to win this battle and Spagnola deserves to be in there as well there's no cut down to Andy Reid by the way by the way because if Andy Reid didn't have Spagnola you know what the Chiefs would do Stephen they would win the AFC West every year okay but he does deserve credit for upping the defensive performance when the salary cap issues started to occur because Patrick Mahomes needed to be paid like a legitimate Quarterback off of his rookie contract. The Chiefs needed the defense to step it on up. And selection of the right players by Brett Veach, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnola, and everyone at the organization is just incredible. That's one big part of it. And then Spag's ability to call plays the way he does is pretty amazing. I think he's awesome. This
0: was the play, too, that they referenced that we kind of forget about that was on second down right before that third down play where they completed the pass I think to Kittle. And look, look at this. First of all, it was it was pressured by Bolton. He got pressure on uh, on Purdy. But then, how many times have you seen Kittle break a tackle, especially of a defensive back? Definitely. And, and then pick up the first down,
2: but he gets yanked down. Look look at
0: look at this. There's a pressure by Bolton here.
2: Bootleg to the right, throw into the flat. Look at that. T- I mean, look at that tackle. That was almost old school. That was McDuffie. He, he so got not it. only did he make
0: the next play, but that tackle
2: that set up the third and Two Two in a row. We don't talk about two in a row. Uh. And his angle and speed was such that the reason why he tackled Kittle and Kittle didn't break the tackle is Kittle never got a turn-up field. Yeah, he, he got tackled right when he caught the football. And that's because of being right there the whole time reading that bootleg. The bootleg is meant to give you one false step. And if he doesn't have the speed to catch up or to, does not take the false step, you know, he can get there and make the play. If you don't tackle him right there, if Kittle turns up one more step, he probably doesn't make the tackle. Or he falls at least two yards forward, right? It's not third and four anymore, it's third and two. And guess what third and two or less brings up? Christian McCaffrey over the left side. And that would be hard to stop. And then he would have went for fourth down and not kicked the field goal. If Kittle right. would have fell forward by two yards, they would have went for two downs and That's not one. right. That's
0: exactly right. I mean, if,
2: you just, the more you cut this game apart for the Niners, you just go, really? It's like 100 chances to win the game fly by, and y- your coaches don't go out and just grab it. I'll be
0: honest with you. I was – the third and four, I was afraid that they were going to run it and look at it and say, you know what?
2: And run field, it twice.
0: If field goal's not going to win this, we're going to run it twice. Yeah, and, and I, I – I mean – Especially in retrospect now, what would have given him a better chance to pick up that first down, two runs from McCaffrey, or that third down play? I thought, man, the only chance for the Chiefs here is they drop back to pass and someone gets to him. Someone's got to get to him, and someone got to him.
2: Well, I said going into the game that Patrick Mahomes is the elite of the elite, but the reason why the Niners have a, a chance is not only because they're a good football team, but they got one guy in Christian McCaffrey that's enough of a superstar that even if the Chiefs are in the right defense, it' Spags has the right guys on the field and calls the right defense. He slithers through people when the blocks don't get worked perfectly, when the box is too full. He still can get that. Can you imagine giving him the ball twice? What, what would you think if you are the Chiefs fan right now and you just knew, the, they just announced to the whole world, Christian McCaffrey's going to run the ball twice from this third and four. If he doesn't get four yards on the first play, they're going to run him again. And what do you think your odds of winning the game are? They're sliding fast. Instead perfectly called blitz and a new theme that I have here is that Spagnola has now taken football to another level with his disguise and his acting. I want to call acting for no better word right now. The players act before the play starts. And sometimes within the first second of after the play starts, he tells them to, you know, look to your left and stand there and don't move and then blitz to the right. And it's timed out like a, a band formation. You know how band's doing their thing. If you just followed one person and watch what they did, it's kinda of weird. It's like electric football almost. They're like, <laughs> Why is it why are you doing that? Why, why are you standing still? Oh now you're st- oh now you're moving slowly. Oh then you take off fast. And then, but if you look back and see the whole picture, like they're designing things so for you to synchronize. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way they are. I mean McDuffie yeah. gives you no hint he's coming. You don't tell Brock Purdy, Oh, you missed a key. You're a young quarterback. You should have definitely known that slot blitz was coming. No That slot blitz came from a long ways away. McDuffie gave you no hint, but none of the other 10 players can give the hint either. You see what I'm saying? McDuffie's blitz often can be told by Willie Gay's movement. Oh, Willie moved there. That means I'm getting a slot blitz from the other side. That's how they decipher things. Anybody They'll they'll look at a player and say he has his right foot back, an extra foot, when they don't have the blitz on, and he has it. 1 foot closer when they do. Those are the kind of things that they look at, these analysts and everyone else. They figure you out. All 11 guys have got to be on the same page, and Spags is now having them act and disguise before the play and even into the play. Go watch the Ravens game. It's the best. When they don't rush Lamar Jackson with a furor, right? They just go, "You first wave, you come like this. Second wave, you build angles out here, but you got to wait. Can't go immediately." And then the same thing with Buffalo, second half, right? When they couldn't stop the Bills, what did they do? They quit rushing the quarterback trying to get by the lineman. They just dance with the offensive lineman, right, Stephen? Arms extended, push, push. Everybody push like a sled. You know, you practice a sled in the old days. They don't do it nowadays probably, but you push. Everyone push. Just keep Josh Allen thinking that there's no angle to run. No one try to sack him because you're not going to sack him. He'll get away, right? Yep. These things are brilliant
0: you know, and in, in, you mentioned the Bills there, so I could bring this up. And we talk about, we have some fun with it, that, um, you know, Buffalo just has to look back and they have to be kicking themselves that they're the team that traded with the Chiefs to allow them to move up to 10 to, to draft Patrick Mahomes. You know, little did they know, but I mean, that move there, just allowing the Chiefs to move up to 10 may have cost the Bills a couple of trips to the Super Bowl. But then the other thing... That we're going to start talking about a lot is the Chiefs traded up and jumped ahead of the Bills for McDuffie. And we've seen, you've seen that, right? The video of the Bills' war room when the trade happens and it looked like someone just came and kicked everyone in the stomach. Like, who, you know, uh, there, there's a trade. Oh, Kansas City just traded up. And they all know because they know it's from McGuffey, right? Because he's so good. We just talked about him making the tackle on Kittle and then the blitz that stopped the drive, that gave the chance, ultimately gave the, chance, the Chiefs a the chance to win the game. He is spectacular. And he was an all-pro for a reason. And he does everything. I mean, this. You listen to Duron Cherry talk about him. When he says he could have played in that secondary, reminds him of Albert Lewis and Kevin Ross. There's no higher praise, at least as far as I'm concerned. Then I see this week, and I know they're searching for talking points, but on ESPN, one of their morning shows, they had former GM Mike Tannenbaum on to talk about possible trades he thinks could work in the NFL, right? And the trade he suggested and there's a whole highlight package around it, It was the Chiefs should trade Trent McDuffie to the Dolphins for Jalen Waddell. What what did you smoke right before you got on this TV show? (laughs) Because let me tell you something, and maybe this is recency bias and you guys can call me crazy or whatever else, I wouldn't trade Trent McDuffie right now for Tyreek Hill. That's how unbelievable I think Trent McDuffie is. I think next year he has every chance to be the best corner in the league. And you could say if Buffalo would have ended up with Trent McDuffie instead of Kyrie Elam, who couldn't even get on the field, you you, you talked about it. That that margin of error at Buffalo was so close, you put McDuffie in a Buffalo Bills uniform, maybe Buffalo wins that game. And that's how much love and respect I have for what I've seen from Trent McDuffie on the field. And so, first of all, what a ridiculous, I'm sorry, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you would trade him for Jalen Waddle right now. But then that's the other reason why I'm not, I'd love to keep luxurious knee, but I'm not going to freak out because Trent McDuffie is, is like I said, I think he has every chance to be the best corner in the league. Maybe he already is, I don't know. I mean, you watch him, he does, what, what does he do poorly? He does everything.
2: He plays a modern style as well because he isn't overly physical in a way that creates penalties. He doesn't have that gene where he has to blow people up or take a swat with his arm that hits their head and gives a 15-yard penalty. Nowadays, you got to be very careful when you blitz, when you tackle, and he seems to do all of that very smoothly. And I know Nate remembers me telling him this last week or whatever that I always thought when I watched his tape after the Chiefs, drafted him. I don't worry about watching tape before these guys get drafted. I have no idea which team's going to pick who. I watch after they're drafted and say, okay, now what I think. And I said, the thing that McDuffie does is he feels very comfortable around the box, inside, blitzing, tackling. The tackle he had on Kittle. That's a line of scrimmage tackle. That's a physical play you got to make. The blitz he made. How many cornerbacks get called to make that blitz and then don't execute it? What happens if he just ran in there and Purdy ducked him and he ran right by. Now your defense is completely exposed. Purdy could run, throw for a touchdown. You expose yourself when you have that slot corner blitz if you don't make yourself big or tackle the quarterback, and he does all those things perfectly. It, when you look at it, you don't even blame Purdy for making a bad play, do you? He's like, no. Duffy got him from the start. On the way in, he was going fast but not out of control. He made himself big like he's Chris Jones, going to knock this pass down. And if he would have held the ball, if Purdy would have tried to pump fake, because if that was Josh Allen, Josh Allen would have pumped fake and said, let's go, see if you can tackle me, right? That's not Purdy's game. But either way, McDuffie would have had plenty of room to balance himself, even when he's ready to jump and knock a football down, to go make the tackle. He's very, very good. But I will say this. I will say this. It's I don't want to cut down McDuffie because I was impressed with him when I saw him in a Washington uniform, Okay. But don't we get a chance to think about, and I think possibly say, that McDuffie with spags may be better than McDuffie would have been at Buffalo, just like I think Patrick Mahomes with Andy Reid sure. is different than Patrick Mahomes would have been. Okay, if Patrick Mahomes would have been selected by Buffalo or whoever, he wouldn't have three Super Bowl championships right now. He wouldn't. Andy Reid right. deserves, got the greatest piece of clay ever, but it still took someone to be able to handle that, and Spags deserves that with McDuffie. And the Chiefs deserve it with cornerbacks. Where did Snead come from? You know, Buffalo wouldn't, if Snead were with Buffalo, he would have cycled out, don't you think? And Buffalo's a good team. Yeah. But they do not have the magic that Spags and Andy have. There's something about those guys that are, the coaching's elite, but their ability to connect with these young kids and still have respect from them. We keep saying this, you know, you, you look at the stardom that patrick mahomes and now travis kelsey may have surpassed him worldwide they have that but they still look at andy reed and they wonder you know like they're the famous people but they still wonder does andy accept what i'm doing right now am i living up to his standards they're looking over their shoulder a little bit when he's at practice and they're doing stuff you know they act like they're free spirits but you know what you hear them talk right mm-hmm. they're like big red's a badass you know in their yeah. world he's smarter than me he he, I have respect for him. And I think Spagnola has the same thing with those guys, that they don't jack with him. And I, that's not what's happening in the NFL at other places. It's the players are playing, the coaches are trying to herd the cats, don't talk too mean to them, you know, and you just try to make it work the best you can. The Chiefs are doing it at an elite level, way past the other coaching staffs that they're competing against. The Miamis, the Buffaloes of the world. Do you think Buffalo? The Ravens are the one that should have been most connected. They should have had the next best coaching staff, and they completely failed in the face of pressure with an offensive coordinator. Now, how much how much does John Harbaugh take on the responsibility of being a head coach and not having his offensive coordinator going? Because they bragged about him all year long, right? But he hasn't been a Raven coordinator for a long time. But the coaching differential, how much did that help this young quarterback become a superstar? I
0: mean, all the difference in the world.
2: He might be just a good cornerback in the NFL, but not all-pro. Not dominating. I don't know. I don't want to cut down his ability cuz he he seems to have a great attitude.
0: And talking to me, he's never seemed like a rookie. Just like is, you know, yeah. even Keel, just you know, and that you see that on the field too.
2: His but you guys talk to him, so I'm going to guess this and you can tell me if it's true. When you come in, you're a first-round pick and you have success and you win. It can start changing you, Rocky movies, okay? Like, I love Rocky movies, and I want to root for Rocky all the way. But he did turn into, hey, I got used to money, and it kind of changed that's some right. of his core, right? Mickey that's, got all pissed
0: off. He was training in a hotel ballroom, and there was bubbles everywhere. You can't win a championship like that when Clever Lang is training in the
2: streets of Chicago, don't, Nate. Don't you think that's just normal human reaction? Right. Well, he doesn't seem like he's changed at all to me. I mean, he just continues to play, and when you hear him interviewed and stuff, it doesn't seem like he's all caught up in, I'm the next Travis Kelsey, I'm the next Patrick Mahomes, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs. He doesn't talk trash to the other teams like, we're going to kick you, we're so much better than you. This guy's only known winning Super Bowls. Well, he
0: acts like a veteran in the locker room even when you But talk he seems him. so calm, yeah.
2: like i got a job to do. Yep, That's amazing to not get caught up in acting like this is easy. And I'm, I'm the reason why. You know, like, look at this great defense we play now. Tyreek Hill's no longer here. I'm a superstar. I'm an all-pro. Why isn't it me, me, me? I don't see that with him at all. No. He, he has, I think that's a heck of a yeah. personal discipline. And that's how he plays the game. He plays it with discipline. If they ask him to cover deep, he's covered deep. If you ask him to play man-to-man and m- monitor a guy, he marks him perfectly. If they say blitz, he blitzes perfectly. If they say run up and make a tackle at the line of scrimmage, and get big boy shoulder pads. He does it. He just seems to be like, whatever you need me to do, I will do it, and I don't think I'm a great – you know, he just it's it has not gone to his head. And you know how hard that would be if you were a first-round pick and you won Super Bowls your first couple years?
1: I mean, it's. Uh, I
2: mean, I watch you two guys grow up as youngsters, and now you're sitting in these chairs. Look how cocky you <laughs> guys are! Unbelievable! Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, so complacent. <laughs> it's it. It is a sign of an uh, incredible competitor, right? They're not motivated by the money part of it. I mean, yeah, they want to make money, but it's not like because you you see sometimes guys make enough money where if they wanted to, they could just say, Yeah, I don't want to put in the effort anymore. I'm good. I'm comfortable," and they don't. They just keep competing. But you know the the stuff you're talking about with McDuffie. When you made that analogy to a marching band and everybody working in synchronicity, if that's the right word. It's a good um, word. I like that. It's it's the same thing within the organization when it comes to getting these players because, like you said, Spags and, and Andy Reid have a good thing going. But Dave Merritt, Brett Veach, from the scouting department all the way through the coaching staff, they understand what kind of players they're looking for. And I mean, I've been looking back at some of these quotes from Dave Merritt about McDuffie through the course of the year. I think it won't, I can't find this quote, but I saw it somewhere earlier this week. I think he said it, he was the highest rated corner they ever had in the draft. And then I'm looking at these other quotes where he talks about all the different things. Like, if you break down the, an athlete by physical ability, uh, mental ability, technical ability, and, and tactical awareness, he's like off the charts in all of them, right? Like Merritt talks about how when he hits the sled, he hits it harder. It surprises him every time because of how hard he hits the sled with the explosion in his hips and all that. His awareness, he never played slot in college. Last year as a rookie in the NFL was the first time he was asked to play that responsibility. He picked it up mentally so quickly because he understood it. And I was looking at a thing from Merritt where he said, we've asked him to play in his rookie year three different types of press coverage, three different techniques. And he was able to pick all three of them up and then execute them on the field. His awareness in the run game to keep his run fit and actually be a factor in it. It's like, and then the mental capacity to not get too high, not get too low through a rookie season, not let the success go to your head. He seems to be off the charts in all of those. And they saw that which made them smart enough to trade up and draft him. It's cra- It's crazy.
0: And like you pointed out, uh, and my daughter Selena pointed out, most importantly, uh, she thinks he's cute. Uh, you, you signed off on that Quite as well? handsome, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we'll take a break. Back after this on WHB. All right, we've got Stan Weber for... We went long, so this is... Do uh, I have to
2: pay for parking out here?
0: Nah. It's less than $68, I can tell you that. Uh, we got Stan Weber for the next hour, and then our Border Patrol fast break with Gabe Diarman, Missy Hydrick, and Greg Gurley. Uh, we'll have Tim Melia from Sporting Kansas City, and was that right? Yes, that's right. You refused to confirm in, so I just wanted to make sure. And then uh, Tim Grunhard will join us on the phone. Is that quick enough
3: for you? Thanks, Shane. Back after this on WHP.